May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. We've been on a journey. I've been uh, doing a parallel between the calling that was placed on Moses' life to bring a people out of slavery and to build them into a holy nation. I've been making a parallel between that and our calling to build a holy church. Today is a parenthesis, not in the sense of theme, but in the sense of the narrative. We're going to leave Israel as it's just passed through the waters of the Red Sea. And we're going to fast forward 40 years or so to Israel standing in front of of another body of water, the Jordan River. There's an incredible address that Moses gives to the people of Israel as they stand on the banks of the Jordan and just across they can see this land of promise that they have heard about for centuries and which they're now about to go in and possess. And Moses is called of God to make an address and it's part review of the law, reminding of the people of the covenant, and it's also a prophecy. And basically he says, Moses does, through the inspiration of God, you're gonna go in And it can go one of two ways. You're going to cross this Jordan, and it's going to go one of two ways. And there'll be no one to blame except for you if it goes poorly. Also, if it goes well, you're making the choice. You're going into the land of promise that has been promised. I've set this all up. We've got this all figured out. It's there. It's waiting for you. But you are going to have to make a choice between life and blessing or death and curses. What are you going to do? What is your choice? In fact, Moses said to Israel, God said through Moses to Israel, if you go in to this land of promise and you break my covenant, you're not going to be there very long. You're, you're going to be actually, I love this. <laughs> you came from slavery 
You're going into a place where you can have life and blessing. But if you break the covenant, you'll be back in slavery. He said specifically, you will be rooted, uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. It can go one of two ways. It's up to you. You make the decision. You go in, you fulfill the covenant, your side of the covenant, your commitment, you follow the law, right? You do the things that I prescribed, and you will experience life and blessing. But if, if you go in there and you break my covenant and don't do what you know, need to do, you won't be in the land for very long because you're going to be captured and taken back into slavery. Not, Egypt, not Egyptian slavery. This time it'll be, it'll be Babylonian captivity. It's a choice that you make. But even, and, and this is, this is why God isn't like us. <laughs> Even within that warning, God says, if, if you break the covenant and I disperse you and you go into captivity, if you will turn your hearts back to me, I will bring you back into this land of promise. And you will experience more blessings than even your ancestors if you will turn your heart back to me. I'm reading Deuteronomy 30. This is where you'll find this great address of Moses. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you, and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I have commanded you. Did you get that? <laughs> there, there, there's no shade. Of, there's no degree of compliance. There's no lukewarmness. There's no, you know, dipping my toe in what God wants me to do. There is complete surrender. When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where you've been scattered. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it. He'll make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart with all of your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you and you will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you 
most prosperous in all of the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land, the Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in the book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, this is what will happen. God is sort of saying, I can't make this any more clear. I can't be more explicit about this. And he says through Moses, now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. I love that. Don't be telling me, oh, this is deep stuff. This isn't deep stuff. This is obey Live and prosper. Disobey, die, and be cursed. It ain't that tricky. It's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heaven so that you have to ask, who's going to ascend into the heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Sounds very religious. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who's going to cross the sea to bring this back and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, <laughs> the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, <laughs> death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, and then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you today, this day, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. God says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. The Lord is your life. You'll note that he didn't say, the Lord wants to be part of your life. He wants to be the first God among many. He didn't say, I want to play a significant role in your life. I want to be your go-to guy. No, he said, I want to be your life. Everything about you. Paul said, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. For 
for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Scripture sadly <laughs> records the decision made by Israel. Israel did enter the promised land, but as God had declared through Moses, it didn't take long for them to forget God's warning and Israel violated its covenant with God, which led, ultimately led to a divided nation, to the devastation of Israel by neighboring nations, and the return of the Israelites to slavery. Now we're going to fast forward again. The book of Nehemiah. This is where we are. This is our story. This is our story. The book of Nehemiah is the first-hand account of the realization of the words of Moses we've just read in Deuteronomy. The words that extend to Israel a way out of their desolation, out of their slavery, and gives them an opportunity to start afresh. I'm reading Nehemiah 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, I was in the citadel of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, quote, The Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, the prayer he is praying before you day and night for your servants, for the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses? <laughs> we just read about them, right? That's what he's referring back to, that epic address of Moses. It ain't too difficult, guys. Blessing or curses, life or death, right? Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses? If you are unfaithful, and I will scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are, the farthest, are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. 
That's next week's end of parenthesis. I believe that God is laying before New Glasgow Christian Church a similar choice. The choice upon which Nehemiah acted. Just like Nehemiah, we have been humbled. We have experienced the consequences of our unfaithfulness and repeatedly experienced a cycle of dysfunction leading to crisis. And I believe we have reached a point where God is extending to us an opportunity to end the cycles of dysfunction that have resulted from our and our and that have resulted from our sin and an opportunity to build something holy, something that only a holy God can build. But we have to make the right choice. I believe God is saying through uh, the same words that he spoke through Moses to us today, quote, this day I call heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Nehemiah's response to the report he received about the condition of Jerusalem, I believe can be very instructive to us. How did Nehemiah respond to this word? Well, first it says, I sat down and wept. For some time I mourned, fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. He wept and he mourned. Secondly, he fasted and he prayed, and his prayer included what I think are essential elements for us today. Essential to restoration. They were essential to the restoration of the walls of Jerusalem, which Nehemiah would instigate. And they're essential to us as a church as we seek to be restored, seek to be a holy church. This is his prayer. He took comfort in and praised the character of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He took comfort in and praised the character of God. He said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. That's how he started. And then he said, he, he, and then he asked God to hear his prayer and to intercede. He said, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He confessed his and Israel's sin, the cause of God's judgment. No one was responsible for their devastation other than themselves. It wasn't some evil force. It was a choice that was made by Israel. Choose life or death. They chose death. Nehemiah said, I confess the sins we Israelites, and this is important, including myself. But Nehemiah, man, you got it together. You're the hero. You're bringing back all the people. 
I need to repent. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And then he made a claim to God's promise to Moses before Israel took possession of Canaan. He says, Remember the instruction you gave to your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled peoples are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And then, and only then, he asked for God's blessing for the plan that God had birthed in him. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. That's the king. Only after he prayed that prayer, which included all of those elements, did he take bold action. I can't believe that that, I can't, I can't help but believe that this is the roadmap for New Glasgow Christian Church to break the cycle of dysfunction. I believe New Glasgow Christian Church too has come to a point of decision. We can choose life or we can choose death. I'm encouraged that the elders wisely have set aside five evenings of prayer. We've had two of them. And you know what the theme of it has been? Acknowledging God, humbling ourselves, confession. So appropriate. Our prayers, like Nehemiah's, need to include acknowledging who God is, requesting God's direction, confession of our sins, claiming God's promise to build his church, and a cry for God's blessing. Only after we've done those things will we be able to boldly act in building a holy church. Now this is the hard part. Some of you will say I'm getting negative. I've been accused of being negative. This is the hard part. I'm sure some of you are thinking it was clear what Israel did to deserve judgment. It didn't eradicate all the inhabitants of Canaan as God had told them to. It did not possess all of its inheritance. It assimilated with the inhabitants. It intermarried with the inhabitants. It adopted Canaan's worship, pagan worship. It broke its covenant with God. But all the while, and I think this is so important, all the while, if you showed up on a Saturday at the temple, you would think, wow, these people are really godly people. All the while, it maintained a, an appearance of faithfulness. It wasn't faithful. God said to Isaiah, get rid of these festivals. Stop bringing me your sacrifices. Get rid of your offerings. You know what he said? They are detestable to me. Don't show up Sunday morning and play a game. It's detestable. 
What sin have we committed? Well, I believe there's two answers. Now I know when you're listening. I believe there are two answers to this. One I cannot articulate. Because that is between you and God. But what you have to understand is, if you're part of the body of Christ, what you do in your private life affects us all. That's part of being the body of Christ. If you're half-hearted, it affects us. Some sin is individual. I might not know it. You might, uh, they might, others might not know it, but you know it. It's between you and God. And I think that you need to, and each of us needs to pray the prayer of David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You, you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant within me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then, we've talked about mission. What is the mission of this church? The great commission to go into the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. David says that. He says those words. He confesses. He asks for a clean heart. And guess what he says next? You'll never guess because we never read this part. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. You want people to come to Jesus Christ? Get right with God. Purify your heart. Let him wash you in hyssop. The second sin going to get harder, is our corporate sin. Sin as a church. These are the sins I believe we, we, you, me, everybody, for years, have led to that cycle of dysfunction which eventually erupts into crisis. And then we get things back and move on. We have not remained holy or set apart for the Lord. 
We have determined what we will do in this church. Every time we say, what did we do last year? We are saying, we set the agenda. We, and you've heard me give a whole series of sermons on this. We have relied inappropriately on the spiritual life of others. Let me say that again. We have relied inappropriately on the spiritual life of others as a means of relinquishing our own responsibility to the life and mission of this church. We have been Christians by association. I belong to New Glasgow Christian Church as though that somehow has any meaning to anyone anywhere. We have relied inappropriately on the spiritual life of others as a means of relinquishing, casting off our responsibility to the life and mission of the church. We have not committed equally to the life and mission of this church. We've depended inordinately on individuals. I've been one of the ones that has been leaned on inordinately to be the life of this church. It is wrong. It is so wrong to depend on your pastor for your spiritual life. That's why I won't bear it anymore. I'm out. I'm in. But I'm out as pastor. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to bear your spiritual vitality. We've cherry-picked scriptures for messages that make us feel good and remain silent on the scriptures that require a spiritual accounting on our part. Tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me what I don't want to hear. We have tolerated unrepented sin in the body of Christ and turned a blind eye to dysfunction. We've allowed the world to shape our worldview. We have lived dual lives, seeking the advantages of living in the world and as the world lives, but also wanting to live as God wants us to live, fooling ourselves into believing that we can do both when God says, I want to spit you out. I want to spit you out. That's what he said to the church in Revelations that was lukewarm, playing at both sides of the fence. You can't play at both sides of the fence. He wants to be our life. He doesn't want to be part of our lives. He wants to be your life. We have been discriminate, not indiscriminate in whom we love. We've committed to each other and hear this. Probably the people that aren't here need to hear this more than the people that are here. We have committed to each other only to the degree that our expectations are being met. That is a commitment, and that's what next, ser next service is about. What is commitment? I don't commit only if my expectations are being met. That isn't, that isn't commitment. 
What is your commitment? Are you committed? Despite what's sung on Sunday morning or what time the service ends, are you committed? <laughs> are you committed? So we have committed to each other only to the degree that our expectations are met. And there are still people, I'll tell you right now, sitting on the sidelines waiting to see how this goes. And they'll jump in if it meets their expectations. That's not commitment. That is not commitment. We've allowed pride to guide our decisions. We have served other gods. Guess what? This sounds an awful lot like the people who were dispersed from the Holy Land of Israel. Not unlike at all. Only then, once we've asked for forgiveness and change our ways, then we need to begin to formulate a plan as as to what God wants us to do, a, a plan to build a holy church, a plan to build and maintain a holy church. If, if you found this teaching hard, negative, and depressing, I'm sorry, but as Al Gore says, truth can be inconvenient. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. I believe the vast majority of us have Nehemiah's heart. I'm looking at Nehemiah's. Nehemiah's. We've come to our senses. We want to recommit to God. We want to confess our sins. We want God to be our life. And we want to follow his purposes for this church. Once again, the elders have set aside three more evenings of prayer before we begin to reimagine God's vision for New Glasgow Christian Church. And I would humbly suggest to you that each one of us needs to avail ourselves of at least one of those opportunities to prepare our hearts for what God is prepared to do through us should we choose life and blessing. Next week will be about commitment and then we're going to get back to the Red Sea. I guess I should have given a spoiler alert as to how it turns out for Israel. Because right now, Israel is all pumped up. Israel's on the other side of the Red Sea, and they're worshiping God fervently with all of their hearts. God has saved us from slavery. But when we have to make a choice, when it costs us something, when we see how narrow the door is that we have to go through to get into the will of God,
I'm not so sure. Not sure, not sure I want to do that. That's crazy stuff. That's radical. That's, I mean, that's over the top. Let's just get back to where we were. Let's just, let's make everything nice. No turning back for me. <laughs> no turning back for me. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> I, I, I want him to be life and all that that means. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I commit the next three days of prayer to you, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that as you work this word into our hearts, that as we come together, we humble ourselves, we admit where we have gone wrong, and we plead with you to bring us back into a holy place, a set-apart place, that you will do a great work. And we will see things that we never expected to see because you'll be building the Holy Church. Amen. God bless you all. Think on it. Come out on Tuesday or Thursday or Tuesday. Pray. Thanks.